0: Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are wrong Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2003's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, directed by Stephen Norrington, starring Sean Connery, Nasir Rudin Shah, Peter Wilson, Tony Curran, Stuart Townsend, Shane West, Jason Fleming, and Richard Roxburgh. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a 2003 superhero film adaptation loosely based on characters from the comic book limited series of the same name by Alan Moore. This film currently holds a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Renowned
1: adventurer Alan Quatermain leads a team of extraordinary figures with legendary powers to battle the technological terror of a madman known as the Phantom. This league comprises seafarer inventor Captain Nemo, vampirist Mina Harker, an invisible man named Rodney Skinner, American Secret service agent Tom Sawyer, the Ageless and Invincible Dorian Gray, and the dangerous split personality of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde.
0: Okay, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
1: What is your history with this? I saw it in the theaters, and I've seen it on TV a bunch of times. The first time I saw it, I didn't take too kindly to it, to be honest.
2: I I didn't see this in the theaters. I saw it later on television, and I've seen it probably like over a dozen times. Just in pieces. Maybe once or twice I've seen it from start to finish before, but usually just in pieces. Okay, as
0: for me, I saw this opening night in the theaters (laughs) it was you were
1: were dressed up as Sean Connery right yeah
0: it it was not a fun night out at the cinema I can tell you that I hated this movie a lot when I first saw it I read the book too but I didn't read it until way after the fact so I had completely forgotten about the movie by the time I read the book so
2: were you anticipating this movie that you guys saw it in the theater like
1: were you looking forward to this or just go I was excited about it because I had read the short stories by Alan Moore before I saw this movie so yeah I was kind of excited to see what they did with it
0: no I was not anticipating it The reason I went is because my cousin really wanted to see it, and he'll go see any comic book-related movie. If you remember, this movie came right off the heels off of X-Men 2, which they shortened to X2, and to ride that bandwagon, they turned the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen into LXG. Thoughts on this? Uh, idiotic.
2: just a marketing ploy to get people to want to go see it. It it something
0: to do with X-Men. Super cool, right? Yeah, super cool. So let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did.
1: Okay, first up, Sean Connery. Sean Connery has got to be in his 70s in this movie, and the character he's playing is supposed to be a strong, youthful marksman and hunter. Even though Sean Connery exudes testosterone, I still feel like he's too old to play this character properly. Just the way he moves comes off a little bit as like an old man.
0: Well, he was a super old man in the
2: comic, so it's a fitting choice. We've seen Sean Connery do better things. I think that's safe to say. In what, the 60s? (laughs) I mean, even a movie I just watched this week was Finding Forest and he was really good in that movie. I mean, the guy can really act. He's a real actor, right? Fine,
1: Forrester, you're the man now, dog.
2: Exactly. He's a real actor? He's a real actor. As opposed to who, who's not a real actor? Shane West? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. I mean, he's thrown into this action movie. He's in his 70s. It's almost like someone tricked him into being in this movie.
0: (laughs) Well, are we in agreement that he was the best actor in this movie? Wait, was he the best actor in this movie? If you're looking at a full career, yes. No, 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 no. Just
2: this
1: movie. Just this movie. Actor played Dorian Gray. I think to the best.
2: Okay, I'm really struggling to pick a best here. Who's the best in show? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who are you
1: gonna pin that blue ribbon on, Kevin?
0: I don't think it was our man Sean here. Okay, yeah, I agree with you guys. Like, he looked like he would have had a better time like laying in bed taking a nap or something than than being in this movie. He would have had a better time watching Matlock. His action film days were behind him well before this time period. He should be grandfather mentor character from now on, right? All right, next up, Nasir Rudin Shah,
1: Captain Nemo. I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, it wasn't outstanding. It wasn't terrible, though. There were people that are more guilty than others in this movie, and he was not one of them. He didn't have much
2: to say. I'm struggling to find a compliment here or anything negative to say. Do you think it was
0: really him fighting? Because he was pretty
2: Acrobatic. It could have been because I don't really know what that guy even looks like. He was behind so much yeah, makeup and and costume. Yeah. What,
1: what'd you think of his curly uh, whiskers that he had going on there? I Very mean, invoked. It
0: was pretty sweet. Yeah.
1: He looked like he could have been walking down Williamsburg streets. <laughs> no street. problem. No problem. No one would have turned their head.
0: I like the character better than the performance, I guess. I'll say that about this guy.
2: Is that because that's the character they spent the least amount of time on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, Peter Wilson. You know, Harkness. Harkness? The vampire. The Daywalker. Yeah, yet again <laughs> another movie
1: with <laughs> vampires in it. She was all right. They were trying to make her look like Madame Curie to me. Yeah, didn't did, didn't That's she? That's a like really God? good call.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next up, Tony Curran, Invisible Man, and and Invisible Invisible Man, Man. Of Man.
1: He didn't have enough lines to come off as that snarky, dastardly character that they wanted him to be.
0: He seemed like a Guy Ritchie type of character to me, sort of. That's what they. But I don't think he had enough lines. He had to a really... British accent.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know. I'm gonna say this guy I thought was the best because he was invisible half the time it's because he's invisible I couldn't see his facial expressions he's doing voiceovers so it's
1: just his voice and his his voice did a good job I think that he is second best his character had an aspect to it that was supposed to be snarky that was supposed to be a little bit dastardly and I think he had fun with it
0: I thought he was the most fun character in the movie like he was the most alive out of all these people next up Stuart Townsend Dorian Gray
2: he was a little too over the top for me what?
1: come on I'm serious I thought he was a Suave, debonair, handsome,
0: dashing, (laughs) beefcake.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was it was just a little too much for me what he did. I thought he could have toned it down a bit. You
1: didn't like his eccentric billionaire boy charms. No.
0: I like this guy. I thought he was fun. I thought he was actually acting.
1: He was. I, I thought that he did a really good job. I think he did the best out of everybody in this movie. He's supposed to be like this hedonistic, arrogant, over the top character, and I think he played it off to a tee. Yeah, he
0: fit the character. Like if there really wasn't a mortal guy, like he would probably act like this.
1: Yeah, an immortal man that's obsessed with himself, and that's what he is. He had like a very narcissist aspect to him. Uh, Okay, next up, Kevin's favorite, Shane West. <laughs> this guy, that was probably the worst
2: performance in this movie, I think. He's so stiff. When he would try to have emotion, he would like, force it so much with like the, the angry faces. and it, He was so unlikable.
0: Yeah, Shane West, I didn't really care for this guy. I felt that there was no reason for him to be in this movie at all. None. Whatsoever. Like He was shoehorned. He was not in the comic. They snuck him in here for stupid reasons, which I'll get to in a little bit. I
2: mean, he, he was also, it was the worst acting and, and definitely the worst character in this whole movie.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like an afterthought. Yeah. Okay, next up, Jason Fleming. He was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think his
1: Dr. Jekyll was more believable than his Mr. Hyde. I think that he, probably in real life, he's mild-mannered, and his Hyde is, like, very forced. He has, like, trouble screaming at people. I mean, it was it was almost to the point where, like, I thought he was over the top. I thought that his character was outlandish in his delivery.
2: Yeah, I, I thought he was really good as Dr. Jekyll. Mr. Hyde was, like, reminded me of Donkey Kong. <laughs> like, I just expected him to pick up a barrel and throw it at people. I mean, he had the same... <laughs> like build actions. He kind of grunted like a gorilla. I will say he was my favorite part of this movie. Hyde? Was with Hyde. Okay. All right. I can see that. It was when they, uh, we can talk about it later too, but when they're playing the, the, the record yeah, and the sound's going and he's Jekyll's looking in the, the mirror yes, and he yes, sees yes. Hyde. That was my favorite part of the movie.
0: All right. And finally, our good friend makes a triumphant return to our show, Richard Roxburgh. For those who may remember, he played Dracula in Van Helsing. And here he is again in another one one of these 1800s monster movies, I guess. Which is very interesting because this came first, then Van Helsing came out the next year. So I wonder if those two are related to each other in some way.
1: There was no weird marionette-esque walking in this movie. He didn't walk up any walls while no, he was
0: complaining. No emo dance? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was no
1: emo dance. I don't know, he he played Moriarty, that's uh, Sherlock Holmes' arch nemesis. And I thought
0: he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, I thought that he was pretty decent. He's pretty confident, I thought, in this. Yeah.
1: Compared
2: to that Dracula performance, this is <laughs> Oscar work.
0: Okay, so that's it. Those are the people that are in LXG. So let me get into the brief history of this movie. This is yet another one of these movies where the history is more interesting than the movie itself. Okay, according to producer Don Murphy, in a making of feature on the DVD release, pre-production work on the film actually predated the publication of the first issue of the comic book. This may explain why there are noticeable differences between the film and the graphic novel. Alan Moore, the author of the original graphic novel, was reportedly unhappy with the adaptation of his story, with it being vastly different from his original story. For the script, the character The Invisible Man was changed to An Invisible Man since Fox was unable to obtain the rights to that character. A Fu Manchu character was also dropped from the script. At Fox's request, the character of Tom Sawyer was added for American audiences and to give the movie some youth appeal. What is youth appeal? Sex appeal. Producer Don Murphy, who described the request as a stupid studio note... Later stated that the move to add Sawyer was brilliant. In an interview with The Times, Kevin O'Neill said he believed the film failed because it was not respectful to the source material. He did not recognize the characters when reading the screenplay. He also said that Norrington and Connery did not get along. Finally, O'Neill said that the comic book version of Alan Quatermain was a lot better than the movie version. Sean Connery was offered roles in The Matrix and The Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, but said he didn't understand the scripts. So when offered another screenplay he didn't quite get, he took it. Sean Connery reportedly had made dispe- with director Stephen Norrington. He did not attend the opening party and when Connery was asked where the director could be he is said to have replied, check the local asylum. Norrington reportedly did not like the studio supervision and is uncomfortable with large crews. Stephen Norrington had such a hard time with the film that he announced he would never direct another film again. Production delays and constant clashes between himself and director Stephen Norrington convinced Sean Connery that he had fallen out of love with modern filmmaking. While he made no official announcement at the time, he has since that he is now officially retired, save for some voiceover work. Cast of Characters versus League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a lawsuit filed by Larry Cohen and Martin Pohl against 20th Century Fox, claiming the company had intentionally plagiarized their script, Cast of Characters. According to the BBC, the lawsuit alleges that Mr. Cohen and Mr. Pohl pitched the idea to Fox several times between 1993 and 1996, under the name Cast of Characters, and that Fox had solicited the comic series The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as a smokescreen. It noted that the films share public domain characters who didn't not appear in the comic book series. Although Fox denied the allegation as absurd nonsense, the case was settled out of court. A decision Alan Moore, according to New York Times, took as an especially bitter blow, believing that he had been denied the chance to exonerate himself. At the U.S. box office, the film opened at second place behind Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen grossed an estimated how much worldwide? 150 million. I'm gonna say 250 worldwide. Kevin wins 179 million worldwide.
2: That's not a bomb, right? But it's that's definitely not. Enough for that's not a summer.
0: Okay, let's begin the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. All right, let me just say right off the bat that I am rotting away from disease. (laughs) I am really sick right now, so if I seem to be very subdued this episode, then that's why. This is the first movie that we've watched in weeks that didn't start off in the past with a flashback. How did this movie start off? It was the-, the Bank robbery.
2: Yeah, it was the bank robbery, and it was when all the action takes place. We weren't, we weren't 100
0: years early. We weren't-, we weren't No, it wasn't. It was 17,000 years earlier. If only Steven Somers was behind the wheel here, he would have definitely started he corrected this in 1600 AD. <laughs> yep. He would
1: have started with Leonardo da Vinci painting the architecture. Drugs yes. in this movie yes. <laughs> Yeah He would've He <laughs> <Yep>. would've Yeah <laughs> Okay, so this movie starts with a very large tank that actually looks pretty cool, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, one of the many miniatures in this thing. Mm-hmm.
1: You could tell it was a miniature.
0: Yeah, but it definitely looked a lot better than most of the CG we're about to see.
1: Yep. This movie brought to light a lot of problems with CG that I didn't see at the time when I was watching the movie, but now in retrospect are very clear.
0: I'm pretty sure at the time I thought it was great looking, the CG, but oh my goodness, it is
1: now it looks wildly like, bad. <laughs> it, it looks like melting rubber. It's like shiny and it, it looks like an action figure.
0: Uh, I'll ask this question right now: like the the quality of the CG in this movie, is it better or worse than the quality we just saw in Jumanji? I'd say it's on par. I'm gonna say it's a little worse. And you guys realize that Jumanji was like almost ten years yep. prior to yes. this movie. Yes, I yeah. do. My
2: reason for saying it's a little worse is specifically Jumanji had that some special effects with water, right? Water like gushing out of the house. Uh-huh. It looked real. The water when later in this movie when there's water gushing into Nemo's submarine looks unbelievably
0: poor. poor. Okay, so that happens and then we cut to 1899 Africa, and somebody from Her Majesty's Royal Secret Service is looking for our boy Sean Connery, Alan Mm -hmm. Quatermain. In the comic book, he removed himself from public life by becoming an opium addict. In the movie, Sean Connery did not want to play an opium addict. So, they changed it to, he just took himself out of society and he's hiding out in the Gentleman's Club. Yeah.
1: Why didn't he want to play an opium addict? After finding Forrester, he had, like, a moral (laughs) quandary problem with it. Opened his eyes to... What drugs can do. I mean, it would have been more believable for that
2: character, right? Because he's supposedly once his son died, he became like a recluse, right? Like he
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, he's trying to dull the pain somehow.
1: Yeah, I mean that would make sense. Couldn't they have like made him an alcoholic like Sean Connery is in real
0: life? Mm, good point. Okay, so they find uh Sean Connery, some goons come looking for him, mm-hmm. and then Sean Connery shows his stuff. He starts beating up these young hooligans. How about you guys describe this fight scene?
1: Well, so these guys roll in. Who with... are who are these people, by the way? They're bad guys, they're villains. Why do they look like cowboys? with metal armor on? Like like American Western cowboys?
2: That's a really good question. They've got what looks to be like early versions of machine guns and they start opening fire on Sean Connery. They've got machine guns. They fire off like 200 rounds and they can't hit a 75-year-old man. <laughs>
0: ancient old man. <laughs>
2: so he's like jumping and doing tuck and rolls. He picks up tables that look like a 70-something-year-old man can't pick up. They had to be prop tables like to the point where they weighed probably like two pounds. Really sets the tone for how just absolutely crazily stupid this
1: movie's gonna be. <laughs> is this a late 1800s version of a retirement community in yes, Africa? Yes,
2: yes.
3: That's
1: exactly what it is. <laughs> you can tell, though, by the way that they cut and edit it, that he was not doing a lot of fighting. in oh, no. this. It was really no. bad. It was Really poor. Well, I
0: like this thing where he forces one of the guys backwards and he gets impaled on a rhino that's on the wall.
2: There's no blood whatsoever. Nope. Yeah, that was a little strange. It's
0: PG-13. Okay.
2: They're not going to risk an R rating on this. These Even are... Even
0: less people would have seen it. They get Alan Quartermain, Sean Connery, they take him back to London, and the effects on this fake London recreation. You guys had something to say about this, right?
1: They pan from left to right on a CG London that they created, and there's kind of like a space-time anomaly, <laughs> I think, or... <laughs> because it looks like space-time is kind of folding in on itself like they're in Inception.
0: Nightmare creatures, PlayStation 1. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> Why would you bring <laughs> that up? Enough, 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 right, enough, Kevin, stop, Kevin, no. Kevin, go go. <laughs> it looks similar
2: to the effect of, like, a page being turned. Like, right before the page is, is completely down, it looks like it's being unfolded that way. Yeah, it's creased.
0: Yeah. I can understand you not being able to make CG creatures. But that makes sense to me. Like, there are, uh, we know what living things look like, right? right. But you can't make a, a matte painting or something in CG and, and make it look really you can. There's an entire
1: industry of artists that do nothing but map paintings for movies.
0: So Sean Connery gets taken to meet M, our boy Richard Roxburgh, mm-hmm. and he's recruited to the league, right? Yeah. So this is where we meet the first league members. There's Captain Nemo's there and an invisible man is there. <laughs> Not the invisible man. He just happened to be one of the many invisible men. <laughs> So,
1: uh, they actually bring that up, though. They go, are you the Invisible Man? He's like, no, 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 no. I stole the serum. From him. Captain Nemo is a acrobatic sultan and a scientist. Yeah. He
0: definitely looks like a sultan, for sure. Mm-hmm. He,
1: he he does. And uh, he has, I guess, unlimited resources when it comes to technology.
0: Yeah. The Invisible Man is there. We get a first glimpse at his special effect of the invisible makeup. What do you think of that? Like, when you see, like, half of his face floating in the air.
2: It's pretty good.
0: I, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I thought so, too. They did a pretty decent job with that.
2: I mean that
1: that's the easiest effect to do in this
2: movie, so yeah,
0: it's yeah, pretty like,
2: good.
1: I didn't like when they tried to strut their stuff and have him drink scotch. I thought that that looked very fake. yeah,
0: that looked kind of stupid. Memoirs of an Invisible Man did that, starring Chevy Chase. It looked pretty good. <laughs> 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 it's a bad movie, but that looked pretty good if I recall. Yeah, Invisible Man, th- and they had like his jacket walking around.
1: I thought that you could tell that someone was painted green. Oh yeah, you could you could kind of see the, the silhouette. Yeah, oh, you, yeah, you you kind of see the silhouette of it.
0: Peter Wilson shows up and she's... The last member of the league we meet for now, and she's a vampire. Vampiress.
1: Yeah, we're told
2: that she has uh a husband or something, right? That that we would she know is. or something like that. They loosely apply you know, imply that she was Dracula's wife. Did something. anybody here read Dracula?
1: I read, didn't? I, I read Dracula. So she's from there, right? She is, but I didn't read that. I have no idea. They're playing pretty fast and loose with know how her how to character. Read.
0: <laughs> I can neither read nor write, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that you can, it's you won't. Yeah,
0: I'm a You're literate. Alliterate. We don't know what
1: she is at this point. We just know she's a woman. And we also know that Sean Connery is not happy with that. Oh, yeah.
0: man. The misogyny is <laughs> through the roof it's like here. The, it's
1: like the second she walks on set, Sean Connery goes... Rolls his eyes. He oh. rolls his eyes like a woman in this movie. <laughs> 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 he throws a scotch on the ground. Yeah. He's disgusted. Yeah, he breaks his glass.
0: All right, so they got their ragtag crew of misfits, right? The, yeah. The 1890s A-Team, I guess yep. you could say. Mm-hmm. And they roll out, and Captain Nemo has the first automobile. Yes. I'm assuming it's the first automobile because they're, they're like, what the hell is this? And it's awesome. Oh, it's, yeah.
1: It's no Model T, my friends. It looks like, it's like a it, Rolls Royce. It's oh, a, yeah. It looks like a Rolls Royce. And the front where the engine would go looks like they put a train engine. Like, that's that's how big it is. <laughs> they took a locomotive engine, put it in the front, and they gave it six wheels.
2: It was
0: made of ivory, right? Like, it's
2: oh, yeah.
1: Ivory oh, yeah. Ivory and platinum.
2: <laughs> Dozens of elephants were murdered <laughs> to, to make
1: this to make car. Only well, the finest for Captain Neo. If, oh, J- yeah. if Jay-Z saw this car he would have to have it, but he'd have to fight Nemo for it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so there's two remaining members of the league. We have to go scoop up. Next up is Dorian Gray. He was a self-absorbed, hedonistic aristocrat. He's a pretty boy. Out of all the people in this movie, wouldn't you want to be him? (sighs) Oh, He gets all the ladies. Ooh, oh that's yeah, a really good question. All right, okay. So we meet Dorian Gray. He he doesn't really want to be a part of this league, but then they all get ambushed by the Phantom. That's not P H A Phantom. How do they spell it? No, no, Joel? no, my friends. What? No, no. That's F A N. Does that stand for something? F Did for you- ferocious? Fantasy. F
1: for fire. I don't remember
2: seeing it written anywhere. <laughs> Was he wearing a name tag that I missed?
0: (laughs) Hi, my name is Phantom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember seeing his name spelled with an F, but I do remember seeing it on the Wikipedia.
0: Yeah, so he he comes out with his goons, they open fire on everybody, and this big battle takes place in Dorian Gray's library.
1: So
2: let me ask you this. Right then, you already know that there's a traitor, right? Yeah. Because how else would he know to be there?
1: Good point. He could have followed this giant ivory street locomotive. But
2: why would he even know that this group's being put together? How would he know that? He wouldn't. So- How would he know any- any of this is transpiring.
1: There has to be a traitor. Okay, look, all these people are immortal, but we never said that they were very bright.
0: And apparently our good friend, Tom Sawyer, he's taking the week off from painting fences to join the Secret Service and fight. Yeah, he's a
2: Secret Service agent now. So stupid.
0: Yeah, so Tom Sawyer is up there with the guys and he helps turn the tide, shoots one of the bad guys, and they have this big protracted battle in the library. Invisible Man gets nude, runs around, he's flopping around naked, running around. (laughs) So what do you guys think of this battle sequence?
2: This is another situation where we have a whole bunch of bad guys with machine guns. Correct. And they can't hit a thing. There's thousands of rounds were fired in these two scenes and no one got hit with
0: a bullet. Now they have a whole room full of people.
2: They're sh- they're literally shooting Down. ducks in a barrel. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They're, they have the high ground. They're shooting downwards. So this is typical G.I. Joe syndrome stuff, right? The How were all inspired. these people
1: killed? Did Tom Sawyer and Alan Quartermain kill everyone? Yeah.
0: That's what well,
2: they all teamed up. I mean, the Invisible Man picked up a book and started hitting the back <laughs> guy with it. I remember uh, you two having a problem with that. He's invisible. He can grab anything. At this point, some
1: of the, the bad guys have been disarmed. He could have picked up a machine gun. Yeah, you're saying that he should... He could sh- picked he up sh- anything! He should have grabbed something else, maybe a little more deadly than a book. A book? But, but a book? Why would you use a book as a weapon? In his defense, though, the pen is mightier than the sword.
3: Oh.
0: <laughs> 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 Alright, so they, they vanquish all the foes, except for one, and then we find out, me as true identity, she's a sexy vampirist. Sexy.
1: She's a vampire. She's a sexy <laughs> <laughs> vampirist.
0: <laughs> yeah, she makes short work of this dude. Like he, she rips his throat out. She eats. There's him. some blood there. Yeah,
1: that yeah, was. but there goes your theory. Wow. Up in smoke. <laughs> yeah, the guy was eaten though. He wasn't impaled. It's
0: worse. <laughs> Okay, so they're like, let's get the hell out of here. We have to go to Paris to catch Hyde. And in order to get there, Captain Nemo goes to the docks and summons the Nautilus, his submarine. Mm-hmm. Now, can you describe the scene, please?
1: Yes, they go down to a dock, which is about 15 to 25 feet long.
0: Small, it's tiny. It's very, very small. It's very tiny. At the very least, the, the sea floor looks like it's maybe 10 feet below them. It's, yeah. ma- or at the most, 20.
1: It's right outside of a, a major city. Right, Correct. and this ship that comes out of the water here comes right up to the dock, which means that it's not in the channel. There's no channel there. It was there the whole time. It was there the whole time. This submarine is the size of 15 aircraft carriers attached to each other. It's
0: like the Titanic, like it is, 10 it times is, the It is like
1: 10 Titanics attached to each other, top to bottom, left to right. Like it's this giant it,
0: like, like you square. Said, yeah, like you said, it was so big, like they made it so like when you look down the edge, you couldn't see, see where it where ended. It ended. Like they put like clouds and fog. <laughs> <laughs> it just kept going forever. It's
1: it's at least 20 stories high. Yeah. When this thing comes out of the water, how much of the sea is being displaced by it? Is there, is there going to be like <laughs> a, a tidal wave? A, is there going to be a tidal wave? Is it going to kill everybody in London?
0: It's like a floating country. Unbelievable. So you guys love this thing. You, you loved it when it came out of the water. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. We were cheering. We jumped out of our seats and started cheering. Clapping. And plus
0: it looks bad too, right? The CG
1: on it, it just looks poor. Which is really a shame because the design of the ship is really cool. It's got some, these, these really cool ornate Indians. It's got Got a really cool ornate Shiva on it. It once again looks like it could be made out of pure ivory. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> 20 million elephants were killed. <laughs> they <could 20> care <laughs> less
3: about
0: the endangered elephant.
3: <laughs>
0: Alright, so they go to Paris to hunt Hyde. Yet again, another movie we watch where somebody is hunting Hyde in Paris. At
2: night, as Hyde is up in the rooftops. Doing athletic stuff. Yep. They always seem to catch Hyde
1: post rape. He's like
2: running yeah. away from it. Yeah. That's
0: what he does, man. That's his MO. Right. And he's always running away. Mm-hmm. He rapes a certain main character in the comic book, which I won't spoil, but it's, it's amazing.
1: <laughs>
0: the whole time, Hyde is wearing a top hat. Yes. And he is. he's running around. His uniform. <laughs> Like his, his. I remember, they pick it up. Yeah, like his costume that he was like the tuxedo that he was wearing was completely tattered. Which makes sense, implying that he was a normal dude yep. like a couple hours ago, and then he hulked out <laughs> uh-huh. and he tore his suit. Even though his pants are still on <laughs> as usual, yep. his, his tuxedo suit is torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. He's got a top hat on. <laughs> right? The whole time. And when they catch him, his top hat falls off. Tom Sawyer picks up the top hat and... It's
2: it's about ten times
0: the size of a normal hat. It looks like it could fit a bathtub's full of water into this top hat. Did he splash the formula on the top hat? Like uh, yes, yes, that's him? exactly what happened.
1: It insinuates that he transformed and realized that he needed to get a hat. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> he a bigger hat. Yeah. So yeah. he had
1: to go to a shop and have them make him a giant hat. If anything, he
0: should have been wearing a little dainty hat, right, on, on the side of <laughs> Like, do you know how stupid that would look? Well, yeah, that's the point. Like, he had this little jaunty cap off to the side. Just get rid of the hat. <laughs> don't have him wear it. Does that also
2: mean that the hat stayed on during the, the rape? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You gotta look your best, right?
2: <laughs> he also was running with, like, a cane, too. He kept the cane and the top hat on the he whole may, time. He may be
0: a rapist, but he's a gentleman, right? <laughs> sophisticated.
1: I don't understand. Like, wouldn't he want to get a giant shirt? Why did he go straight to the top hat? Does that does that make him less presentable if he doesn't have a top hat than if he has a shirt on? Oh, he wants to show off the muscles. <laughs> He wanted to impress the people he yeah, was raping. Yes, yes. But, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he was he was worried about his male pattern baldness, so he needed to have a hat on. Yep. So I, I wasn't too sure as to how this effect was done for Hyde. His body looked like it was made of rubber, like a rubber suit, mm-hmm. kind of like a Hellboy. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of that. But his head at certain times looked like it was added CG wise. I couldn't tell if it was a guy wearing a giant suit or or what.
1: It was probably a combo of the two. I would ima- I it looks like they're using prosthetic and makeup for his body and that they overlaid a CG face onto this really large suit. He definitely thing.
0: looked like a foam rubber man. Oh, yeah.
1: You know what it looked like? It looked like someone was wearing a giant prosthetic costume, and then the face was probably painted green, and then they CG'd a face oh, on it. Oh, shirt. digital replacement. Yeah, that's that's what I think they they did. That would have looked really weird, right? Someone in that big rubber yeah, suit yeah. With a, can, just a green head. Can, can you imagine acting, and this is the character you're talking to, this giant piece of rubber with a green face? Well,
2: I this guess is that's, so ridiculous. I guess that's part of the answer why the acting was so bad. Bad in this movie. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> All right, so they got Hyde. Hyde decides to join them, and they're on the Nautilus on the open water, and we have this scene where Sean Connery is outside shooting targets, and Mina, the vampire girl, is outside in broad daylight. Yep. I remember distinctly being very, very upset at this when I first saw this in the theater back in the day. But then again, one of our listeners pointed out that vampires being out in the sun is like a... was in the original Dracula, but was it just in the fog? Because in this, she was out in the fullest, brightest of day. She's going to get a sunburn. Okay, so Sean Connery is teaching Tom Sawyer how to shoot his gun. He's very fatherly in this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting fun fact about this scene. Uh, Shane West was deeply embarrassed and humiliated by Sean Connery during this sequence because they had to fire this enormous wooden metal gun that is very heavy. Shane West, like a 20-year-old, 25-year-old, he said that he had a really tough time holding that gun up. Like, And you can see him in the, the scenes. like He's shaking and shivering. like He's having a tough Time He's holding like it up. a grimace face. Yeah. He's yeah. got a very limp hold on it. Yeah. And he had a tough time holding it. Whereas Sean Connery, a 72-year-old man, had absolutely no problems whatsoever holding this gun for <laughs> hours. How emasculating.
1: What do you think? Shane West did not get a you're the man now dog after that scene. He
3: didn't? <laughs>
1: <laughs> when me and you saw that, Kevin, we stopped the movie and we said to each other that if we got in a fight with either Sean Connery or Shane West, who would we choose? And both of us picked Shane West because yeah. we both agreed that Sean Connery in that scene looked like he could punch you in the face and your head would explode. Yeah, yeah,
2: pretty much. I mean, he's still an immensely tougher human being than Shane West was, even though he's 50 years his elder. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel like Sean Connery, he looks like he's killed people in the past, right? Like, he's just killed a man with his bare hands back in the 60s or something. He'd have no problem. I wouldn't be surprised. He
1: looks like someone says something to him that wasn't meant to be insulting, and he just just took it that way. He killed (laughs) them. (laughs) Killed them, and then sat back down at a bar calmly and continued to drink his
0: scotch. After all this crap, we come to find out that there's a thief on board on (gasps) the Nautilus. Somebody's going around stealing things. Who could it be? Could it be the one character whose background explicitly stated (laughs) that he was a thief? Oh, uh, <laughs> so everybody assumes That it's the invisible man
2: And he's not there To defend himself right No he leaves He just disappears
0: Yeah He's not, he's not helping his case
1: We still haven't covered Why they're even on this journey <laughs>
0: That's a good point <laughs> I don't remember I, the, the whole time I was wondering Is it my fault That I don't understand What's going on Or is it the movie's fault We
1: haven't covered it yet And we're already I mean as far as I'm concerned We're about a third Of the way through the
0: movie I feel like it's my fault Like I wasn't paying attention enough
1: this I a, knew what was going on
0: This is one of those movies Where they they just say what they're doing in really quick throwaway exposition and then they just go and do it. They're like, we gotta go blah, 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 blah. And then they just do it. The world's at stake, Joel.
2: They can't take time to explain everything The to empire
1: you. is in peril. I guess it was. I mean, was it really? <laughs> I don't think so because they were sinking Venice. What does that have to do with Britain?
0: Yeah, so they're going to Venice to prevent a terrorist attack? Yeah, yeah. all, all the, the major leaders of Europe okay, they're, are getting
2: together in Venice. Yet again, they're having a midnight meeting. And right? a masquerade
0: ball was also going on. Yeah. There was another another masquerade ball movie, Fidelio. (laughs) We've all seen what Venice looks like. The canals, they're pretty ancient, right? They're very narrow. They're not that big. Like a gondola
1: or two can get through at a time. I feel like an Olympic jumper could easily cross cross a canal in Venice if they got a very good running start.
0: Okay, so the Nautilus, the ship that was established to be the size of Manhattan Island, (laughs) (laughs) it just pulls into a canal in Venice. It looked like the ship shrank, right? It definitely did. It was
1: still too big, though. Like the way it looked, it was still too big to be going through that city. The turning radius on it had to be, what, a mile? It still was too big, and it definitely shrunk, because now it's going
2: through, and it's shorter than the buildings that were only a few stories tall. But before, it
1: was next to all
2: these buildings, and it was miles long. I mean, the only explanation you could say is that some of it was submerged underwater, but then how deep are those... Canals? Those canals.
0: So, so what, is it like an iceberg? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so during this masquerade ball, these underwater explosions start going off, and they... like It starts going off in sort of like a domino effect, where it starts taking down all the buildings in Venice, one after the other. They come up with this plan, which I dare say is ludicrous. What do you think?
2: They decide that it's a domino effect, that the first explosion triggers all the other ones. So in order to stop it, they're going to send a missile to explode in the middle of the chain to break the chain.
1: I want to submit that in a movie full of insane impossibilities, this is by far the most jarring and impossible.
0: It's another one of those scenes where they explain what they're doing within the span of five seconds, right? One line you know, they explain
1: they what they're doing. rattle it off
0: and then just do it. And you know, I'm going to say that like it looked like the bombs were under the buildings, right? They were underwater. Under the buildings. Under the buildings. And the missile that they fired at this thing looked like a bunker buster. Like it went into the water and blew up. Like wouldn't it trigger the, all the bombs? <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> it absolutely would. It, it, first off, I don't know how Nemo had a cruise missile. That's on what board. it was. It was, a, it was a Tomahawk cruise missile. It, it shot straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that just make the bombs explode faster? It doesn't make any
0: sense whatsoever.
2: And it, why did they need... So Tom Sawyer and Quartermain and Dorian Gray. Oh, Mina was there. And Mina. They all get into the ivory car. And yeah. they drive out because
0: they're going to launch a
2: flare where Nemo should shoot the missile. Why
0: can't he just shoot the missile? Why does he need a flare? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was under the impression that there are no streets in Venice. No
1: streets? Are you sure? I'm pretty sure there's some streets. Yeah. Yeah, there's streets and there's walkways. Okay, so Tom Sawyer needs to drive ahead of the explosion so that Nemo knows where to fire the missile to stop this domino chain reaction explosion. I think that he could have just fired it in front of the explosion because it's clearly visible, but yeah. maybe not from his perspective of this giant 40-story ship. I don't know.
2: So they're driving in the ivory car, and at this point, it's just Tom Sawyer and Quatermain, and Quatermain and sees Destro,
0: or the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> so... This car's going like 100 miles an hour. How do these people and- know how to drive? <laughs> again, yet again, Tom Sawyer has never seen a car before, but he's driving like a NASCAR expert. <laughs>
2: so Quartermaid sees him, and instead of telling Tom Sawyer to slow down or stop the car, he jumps out of the car going 100 miles an hour and lands on his feet like a cat.
1: No forward momentum whatsoever. He lands backwards, right? He lands in the way that it looks like somebody steps out of a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like if you were just showing someone's feet Like an old S- S- man S- coming out of the S- bathtub out of a shower or a bathtub <laughs> Delicate not to slip It's like very delicate and dainty There's no momentum at all It's just like stepping out
0: What was that? What what, what was going on there? <laughs>
1: I just, the only question I have is, what were they thinking when they premiered this movie and saw that scene for the first time? I mean, were they embarrassed?
0: Oops. Well, they weren't done. I mean, the laws of physics were about to be broken yet again because Tom Sawyer was getting to where he needed to be. So luckily there was a ramp where he needed to go and he jumped over a canal or something. As he is in the air, a thousand feet in the air, he shoots his flare gun to warn Nemo and he crash lands straight through a solid building. And then when he lands on the ground, he literally lands on the top, like the top of the car, grinds onto the ground. It would have murdered anybody. Yeah,
2: if it flips on top of him, it would have just destroyed him. And then Nemo
0: fires the cruise missile and blows up the building he's in. Yeah. He's this is con- dead. He's a convertible. He's, there's no way he can't be dead. They show the explosion, too. It looks like an atom bomb went off in that building. Oh,
1: yeah. What's weird about this missile is it looks like a cross between a cruise missile and an intercontinental ballistic warhead. <laughs> It looks like it should be carrying nuclear <laughs>
0: nuclear arms.
2: I think it was. I think it was an atom bomb. <laughs> I think Nemo had it well before the Manhattan Project started. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so the, um, this building that Tom Sawyer is in is wiped off the face of the map, erased from human existence. And then at the end, when everybody teams up, oh, oh, it's at this point where we come to find out that Dorian Gray was the traitor all along. He's he- got
1: the golden gun from 007, by the way. Yeah,
0: from GoldenEye. He shoots Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. Hmm. He shoots him in the, the chest and he runs off. So everybody is reconvening back at the submarine and they're like, where's Tom Sawyer? Where's Tom Sawyer? He is like particles, right? In the ether right, at yeah, this point, right? Yep, yep. Carbon just floating through the space. <laughs> Instead,
2: oh, he said, uh, I'll live to fight another day, right? Boo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, he lived? How extraordinary. It's- it's just, like, it's so absurd. Because they cut, like, when he's in the the building, they cut to the missile, then they cut him still pinned under the car.
2: And not to mention, he doesn't have a scratch on him. It doesn't look like anything's happened. Yeah, you He's think- just a
0: guy, right, Tom Sawyer? He's just a kid.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: he's not supernatural in any way.
2: He's so unspectacular. <laughs> I do kind of feel bad for Shane West. You feel... Why? How so? This guy gets this part, right? He's like, oh, man. I'm Finally! Like, I'm in... I'm, like, a lead in the new, like, comic book superhero adaptation movie. I'm gonna be the next Ben Affleck from... Daredevil. I'm right next to Sean
1: Connery. This is going
2: to be yeah, great. This is my career set.
1: Never to be heard from again. Do you think being in Sean Connery's presence is awe-inspiring or terrifying?
2: Oh, it's terrifying. A combination it's combination of the terrifying. two. <laughs> Sean Connery doesn't look like the kind of guy that will take you under his wing, right? <laughs> like, I don't think he was coaching Shane West on the side here. Do you think that he threw his scotch in, his, in Shane West's face <laughs> multiple times? He's just like... <laughs> no, he spit it in his face and, he, and then he threw the glass at him. <laughs>
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they go to Mongolia. There's a secret base there. Yeah. So they run into the invisible man who had been hiding in the little nautiloid sub Mm -hmm. and they run into him. This dude has been naked for days. In the snow. In the snow. How? How's this happening? He should be dead. He he seems to have some
2: kind of supernatural ability to deal with extreme temperatures, right? So if he can bend
0: light, he can bend heat around him. Sure. (laughs) Is that, is that, (gasps) is that how he's invisible? That's the only way it makes sense for him to be invisible, right? Yeah, light would have to either that or light would have to pass
1: completely through him.
0: But he says he's cold, right? He does, but he's not shaking at all. Like when they show the snowflakes on him, he's not
2: shaking. Him. He's in the snow. He's free, he's naked. He should be an ice cube.
0: He shouldn't have any like fingers or toes left. But he should be dead. They give him his jacket. He puts frostbite on his. On his penis. You know what? His CG penis falls off. And. Yeah, of course. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> icy popsicle. <go. laughs>
1: Suck, man. <laughs> pop's-
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Suck my Popsicle. Uh, I'm so glad you could bring that back. Oh, <laughs> all right, so the following sequence is the typical thing that happens in almost all these big-budget summer action movies that we've been watching on this show. They get to the third act. They don't know what to do, so they make this really over-the-top, bombastic action scene that's just a whole bunch of noise and nonsense that means nothing at all. Like, The Mummy did this. Van Helsing did this. They all do this. And this movie is no exception. And just a lot of crap happens that just doesn't... Nobody cares. It's... Just, very uninteresting stuff
1: there was a scene that joel found extremely exciting right before uh, i believe mina was fighting dorian gray right before the fight begins there's a man in the background and he's shaving
3: (laughs) 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 he's he's
1: he's shaving in a in a way i was like finally this movie's picking up (laughs) finally something exciting's going on is that straight edge what's going on there Is he using feathers?
2: <laughs> we also forgot to mention when uh, the submarine got attacked afterwards that they set up the like the first aid room. Yeah. And all the, the, the bloodied and injured workers from the submarine were being treated by yeah. the nurse vampire who would have been driven insane by the blood. She wouldn't have been all the function. She'd be eating everybody. <laughs> So uh it's Quarterman and and, and uh, Moriarty are, are kind of having their face off, and one of the one of Moriarty's minions jumps out to attack them, and uh, Tom Sawyer is able to intervene and stop him. But the, the guy that jumps out to attack looks like he was added in like the 1980s. Like it is a different shade of color, right? It, it, Ghostbusters. It looks
1: just like Ghostbusters, yeah,
2: almost identical. And it looked ridiculous. We, we actually like, rewound it, didn't we, and watched it again, yeah, because it looked so odd. It, but it, Joel, you, you you know what's going. Going on there.
0: Yeah, apparently in the, when this movie was first made, there was an extra character who apparently you can still find her in like the p- promotional materials for this movie if you look hard enough. But for whatever reason, they decided to cut her out of the movie. But they couldn't do it completely because there's this scene where she attacks Sean Connery. Shane West attacks her. So the way that they got around this was they digitally removed her by adding some guy in her place. And none of the actors knew that this was going on because at the premiere, Shane West was like, what the hell? Like he, he was shocked. <laughs> so are you saying that they performed? so Bio digital jazz. Yeah, they did, exactly.
2: It turned out that Dorian was implanted among the League to steal their essence. Yeah, the little
0: bits, like their DNA. Yeah, their... so he
2: stole the, the skin cells of and and An Invisible, An Invisible, Invisible Man. He stole Nemo's science. Not really sure how you do that. He stole Mina's blood. Mina's blood. And uh, he is the one who stole Jekyll's formula. Serum? Yeah. So it's at this point, towards the climax of the movie, that some of the villains take the. the uh, uh, abilities. So there's another, an invisible man, <laughs> and there is another Mr.
1: Hyde. Okay, so a fight ensues, and you get a version of Dr. Jekyll that looks outlandish, even more so than <laughs> than he does. It's essentially a giant red Hulk CG-looking character.
2: Yeah, if anyone's played Batman Arkham Asylum, it looks just like the people that took the Titan formula. They get become all mutated, and like half of his body is completely enlarged. The other half is only
1: slightly
0: enlarged. She looks off balance, purple. Terrible looking. Very, very bad effect on this guy.
1: I think the light specifically in this CG looked poor. Really bad.
2: And it really stood out because he had a battle with Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Man. Hyde is a rubber, a rubber, man. rubber rubber
1: man. Like that's real versus the CG, which was completely fake. And they're supposed to be the same thing. So it, it was really jarring. And the other problem with this fight scene that I had was Nemo is the first person to start fighting him. He goes like supersonic. She starts <laughs> slicing him <laughs> up at speeds that Super are Super Saiyan? You yeah, know? yeah, he goes. He goes super saiyan SSJ two. Five. He goes. He goes SSJ two.
0: Okay, the conservative.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, come on five. You'd have to do the fusion dance. Okay, so he gets punched by this giant monster well,
0: through he, a wall. He, he, he
1: would have exploded. From he that punch. should have turned into a liquid <laughs> after he got punched <laughs> by this thing.
0: Man, whatever. The the stupid super CG man gets crushed on the rocks. It looks horrendous. Yeah, and then Moriarty escapes by jumping two thousand feet from the top of the uh, the tower. It looks like. He he jumps off the top of Dracula's castle. It was like Batman and Robin, remember? It does!
1: Okay, so the story ends with Tom Sawyer and Alan Quatermain fighting Moriarty and Tom Sawyer comes in and Alan Quartermain makes good on what he feels guilty about this entire film, which is his son's death. He turns around to save Tom Sawyer, gets literally stabbed in the back by Moriarty, and Tom Sawyer is then able to take the shot, kill Moriarty, and end the movie. Quartermain is, I guess, taken back to Africa and buried there. We're given a shot of everybody, I guess, saying a few words or a prayer over his corpse and then leaving but there's a witch doctor in the background doing some juju magic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, okay, whatever. I'm I'm assuming he's going to be resurrected in the next movie. Who cares? Although I did like this. Before this all happened the Invisible Man was hit by a blast of a fireball. He was hit by a fireball and his whole body had three degree burns on them, so much so that you could see them. Like his his burn marks were floating in the air. We cut to this funeral scene and he's all better.
2: Yeah, all healed. He's
1: he's got supernatural powers I guess
2: it just heated up his frostbitten body from being out in the cold (laughs) it just offset it just offset okay
0: wonderful wonderful. so so that's it so he was thawed is what you're saying okay so that's it guys that's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie A dreary and disheveled adventure that qualifies as one of the summer's bigger disappointments. Robert Dennerstein, Denver Rocky Mountain News. Gentlemen may be a better movie than other Connery fantasy action films like The Avengers, but then again, a glass of muddy water looks good to someone just coming in from the desert. Elvis Mitchell, New York Times. And finally, in a summer of big budget sequels, prequels, remakes, and homages, no film is more ambitiously derivative or dramatically unsatisfying than Stephen Norrington's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Jack Matthews, New York Daily News. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad?
1: Yes. Yeah, this movie is uh, really hard to follow. The acting isn't something that I think is memorable in any way at all. And I don't think anything in this movie is really something that is memorable. I wouldn't suggest or tell anybody to check it out. If it's on, i turn it. I want to kind of give it a two because I like Sean Connery and I like the source material, but I can't. It's really bad I'm going to give it a one out of five. For me,
2: yeah, it's that bad. Um, I'm going to give it a two out of five, mostly because when it's on, for some reason from time to time, like if I see it, I'll just stop and watch it for a few minutes. Is this like a guilty pleasure of yours? Yeah, I guess it is. It's kind of like a car wreck almost. Like you just can't look away. I really think there could have been a good movie here, but they just, this is just a, this is a complete failure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, as for me, is it really that bad? I'm going to go yes. Like I said earlier, I'm sick right now. When I was watching this movie last night, I was sick, but I felt okay. The more we're sitting here talking, about it, the more I can feel my health deteriorating. <laughs> <laughs> So I was going to give it a two, but I'm going to give it a one just for the hell of it. Like I'm like rocking back and forth in like pain. (laughs) So yeah, this movie, I'll say this about this movie. Good sets, good costume, good art direction. Okay. Good art direction.
1: Everything in this movie that was practical was very well made. The craftsmanship was very good and it looked awesome, but the CG and the acting and the
0: story itself. Acting, plot effects, everything else that matters is just awful. Out of these two movies, which would you recommend to people? The League or Van Helsing? Uh, I'd recommend The League. I'd recommend Van Helsing.
1: more Me coherent. too. Me too. Van Helsing. It's it's more. Even though it's I, I awful. I think it's I think they're both awful. They're both horrendous. I think that Van Helsing is more coherent and the plot is is. I mean, you, you can at the very least follow it.
0: Okay, so there you go. Okay, we got some voicemails. I play those for you right now.
3: To listen to your messages, press one. Hey guys, it's with from Phoenix. Hey guys, it's Shannon from Oak Hill Ohio. Hey, this is Chris from San Diego, and I'm here to review The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. i probably in the minority here, but I love this movie. I don't know, maybe it's the premise that uh, literature's greatest heroes unite, and I'm a book nerd, and why not? This movie is bad, and it's bad for a couple different reasons. It's bad because they have this extraordinary cast of fictional characters from all these different media, and they can't seem to string them together in a plot that's interesting. I literally remember 15 minutes of this movie and I've seen it probably 20 times because my dad thinks this is a good movie. I, I know that this movie's shit, but I still love it. I don't know why. Like Maybe it's because I was a kid back in the day when I saw this and I don't know. Just, I don't know, it grew on me. This movie's got a lot of problems. Um, it really has a lot of characters and it doesn't really do any character development for any of them. Um, um, I really don't understand why Tom Sawyer was added to here other than to, to try to to American audiences. You have all these awesome characters that you can't string it into a movie that someone can sit through and be like, this is interesting. It doesn't even have to be a good movie. It it could just be interesting. I would settle for that. What can I say? Favorite actor in this movie? The guy who played Dr. Jericho and Mr. Hyde. Yep. Makeup. let uh, see. Okay, the makeup was pretty sick. The CG was pretty awful. Especially for uh, the uh Mr. Hyde. effects. Oh. Uh, I mean... Is there, can anybody do a good Mr. Hyde effect? I don't know, this and Van Helsing, wow. Hmm, uh, this is Sean Connery's last movie, so I guess that makes me appreciate it more. I mean, yeah. This movie's like a 10 out of 100, because you have Sean Connery in your movie. Why is this movie not good? He's Sean Connery he could pull down his hands and take a dump on a carpet and I would think that was interesting but this movie has Sean Connery in it it is not interesting that the Cardinals end of oh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen try not to put too much thought into it just enjoy this big dumb movie that it became and don't think of it as anything more or it would be it will just suppress you it's more like the League of 45 very boring minutes and 15 interesting ones so anyway that's how I feel about this movie bye guys end of new messages
0: Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Okay, Jamie writes in about Jumanji and the IMAX special effects film. Uh, I, too, saw my first IMAX film in a science museum in Boston. It, too, was that special effects film where it opened to the 1933 King Kong and then falling in his perspective. So we must be relatively the same age. I was born in 1985. Okay, so Alex writes in about John Legacy. He says, You guys bash the likes of Mr. Headland and Hayden Christensen and Sam Worthington for being boring, unengaging, one-dimensional actors at best. But Megan Fox, and Kate Beckinsale and Emily Browning all get by if they do a good job as eye candy. The thing is, it's pretty obvious Hollywood hires a lot of actors these days as just plain eye candy, male and female. Yeah, the lead character really needs more than that, but they don't think so. This explains Angelina Jolie as an example. She can't act her way out of a paper bag, but she leads big budget film after big budget film. Hell, Beowulf had animated Ray Winstone and Angelina alongside Hopkins, Malkovich and Crispin Glover. They all sucked because the animation effect overrode everything else, but droves of people wanted to See golden naked animated Angelina. Anyway, anyway, I'm just saying. Either hold the eye candy thing against all of them, or give poor Sam Worthington a break. Ask some 17 year old girls if they thought his beauty shone through the animation in Avatar, or drag a woman onto your show. Sometimes
1: I I can't talk to any 17 year old girls. I'm not I'm, by I'm, law. By, yeah. by, <laughs> by law, I'm not. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I would imagine that Hayden Christensen does play the lead in a lot of the roles that he's given. Uh, He's not a supporting actor. And so, as far as leads are concerned, I I expect them to act. I don't give Megan Fox a buy. I'm pretty sure that when we talked about her acting, we said that it was, there was nothing happening. She was not acting.
0: He makes a really good point, actually. I I actually like this point he's making. There's some merit to this, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, are we going to sit here and talk about how attractive we think (laughs) Sam Worthington is? Like, it's it's not
1: really going to happen. There obviously is going to be a a bias here, and I want to tread really lightly, because I don't... I don't want to get blasted, but yeah, there's going to be a bias. I am a man and I find women attractive. So I, at the very least, when Hollywood will will use that kind of hook to draw me in, I'm going to be a little susceptible to it. And I admit that.
2: Yeah, I mean, also, we're we're not professional movie reviewers here. Like we're looking at like th- the whole point of this, though, is that we're the every man, right? Like we're we're not a, a, a critic. We're we looking at these things from purely an entertainment standpoint most of the time. Right. I mean, that's part of
1: it. None of us went to film school, right? No. Unless, Unless you guys secretly went and didn't tell me. I had a <laughs>
2: classic film class in college. Ooh.
1: Where we watched Intolerance. You love that movie. I wanted to blow my brains out. Yeah, I mean, this review is essentially supposed to be, and I think it is, a bunch of friends getting together and talking about movies that a lot of people disliked and we're going to weigh in
0: on it. Okay. All right, well, Ben writes in with a very important and somewhat similar question. <laughs> he wants to talk about the DCU. <laughs> The question is this: Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. You have to marry one, have sex with one, and kill one. Ooh. What is your answer on the matter? This
1: question's older than time itself.
0: I'm always intrigued by people's answers to this question. I already know. No doubt in my mind, Kevin. Okay. I would. I would have. I would absolutely have sex with Harley Quinn. She would be the most fun. Mm-hmm. I would kill Poison Ivy because mm-hmm. she's a little too political and annoying mm-hmm. for me. And I would marry Catwoman because she seems the most stable of the three. There.
1: Yeah, that's that's my answer too. I'm totally different. (laughs) Okay. I would marry Harley Quinn. What? I think that she is by far the most attractive. And I don't know. She seems like she'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Listening to her talk would drive me nuts. Come on, Mr. J. Keep going. I think that I would I would have sex with Catwoman because she seems like she would be really annoying. Scratch her back? Yeah, she would be too violent for me. And then I would kill Poison Ivy because, like you said, she's like a political activist, and I don't want to deal with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Extremely hard-hitting question. Thank you, Ben. Okay, Alex writes... And writing about our movie selections. Hey guys, love the show. I do wonder, however, if some of your selections are bad enough for inclusion when roughly half the critics like them. I recommend that you make 40% on Rotten Tomatoes your absolute ceiling for selecting titles. This would correspond to a two out of five in your personal rating system and would strike a good balance between allowing for enough titles for inclusion and ensuring they're adequately poor quality. What do you guys think?
2: I don't think the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes correlates directly mathematically with the two
1: out of like a, you know a certain number out of five. Not only created. that, but if you make a movie and only half of the film critics were able to tolerate it, I think that that's a, a pretty bad sign. That's that, that that means that 50% of your audience dislike the movie.
2: I'd also say, like, it's hard enough picking movies
1: to do this, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to limit ourselves even more, we just make this really difficult.
1: I would say a lot of the movies that we do are already below that threshold, though.
0: Yeah. Here's my take on the matter. You have to imagine that every episode we put out is somebody's first episode, right? When somebody first comes to ...to the website or they see the show on iTunes... They scan through the list of episodes and they say, oh, I've seen this movie. I've seen that movie. That's the one they're going to pick. They're not going to pick some random movie that they've never heard of before. So a movie like Tron Legacy, which was like a 50 or whatever, that's like a gateway movie for people like that. It's such a broad spectrum. That's why I picked movies like that, because everybody or at least a huge portion of people have seen that movie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Mm -hmm. things like that that are in the 50s. So it gives people incentive to want to listen to the show for the first time. So if they just see nothing but obscure stuff on the list, then they won't go for it.
1: You're trying to sell marijuana? No, he's gateway trying to. Sell, he's he's, he's yeah, trying. This to, is a gateway. <laughs> gateway <laughs> podcast. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, he's, he's trying to get people addicted to other movie podcasts that are um, <laughs> yeah, more yeah. They're
0: harder. Or, they're harder. More addictive. Stuff. <laughs> more obscure movies. Okay. Paul writes in and says, "Do you ever listen to your own podcast and feel embarrassed or shamed by what your recorded voice sounds like? I can't stand listening to my voice when I hear it played back to me.
1: At first, absolutely. It was it was I I was extremely embarrassed to hear my own voice. The, episode one." Yeah, I, I got over that quick though. I mean, for most of my life, when people would call my house, they would think I was like my mom. <laughs>
3: so I, I,
1: I got
2: over what my voice sounds like a long time ago. Oh, wow. Oh. I don't know.
1: That's an <laughs> inflammatory that. statement because I don't think you sound like a woman. So you're insinuating your, your mom's, mom's, mom's mouth is super like butch man.
2: No, no, no. I mean, it used to be like telemarketers, well, people that have no idea what my mom sounds like.
0: They would think I was my mom. Yeah. So there
2: you go. A little insight into my psychological scars. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't like the sound of my voice either, so I think that's a universal trait, unless you're like an actor or something, right? Yeah.
1: None of us have taken elocution lessons, so I don't think any of us like our voice. I know that I don't like the way I say a lot of words, and when I hear them, sometimes on the podcast, I'm like, ooh, I'm not, uh, I okay. don't like that. Okay,
0: alright, Margaret writes in and says Hey Joel, thought you guys might want to know that your podcast is actually helping a couple of people learn to speak English. Two friends of mine started listening to this podcast after I recommended it to them, and their English pronunciation and English comprehension has steadily improved drastically so on behalf of me and my friends thank you have a nice week yeah by the way uh according to the itunes reviews we are the last people that you should be (laughs) getting diction lessons from
1: i don't know i'm pretty honored to be compared to rosetta stone oh all right (laughs) i okay i hope that they're getting rosetta stoned
0: shara writes in av equipment hey guys what audio equipment software do you use to record the podcast nothing but behringer crap, a lot of junk. Top of the <laughs> top of the heap.
1: Behringer microphones, Behringer. <laughs> Behringer stands, yeah, Behringer. That sounds so bad.
0: Yeah, we I'll, I'll go over this Behringer really Behringer compressor. <laughs> I, I'll go over this really quickly. I may write a blog post about this in the future, but very fast because nobody cares about this at all. So very quickly, we speak into Samson co one microphones that are connected to a Behringer 1202 FX mixer, which feeds into a Samson Scom Plus compressor, which is finally connected to a Behringer UCA222 interface, which plugs into my MacBook. There you go.
1: But if you have a choice, I would, I would not, not have buy any of this equipment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but specifically the Behringer.
0: Yeah, the mics are okay, but everything else is yeah. junk. Okay, all right. Next up. Spencer writes in Hey guys, I love your show. I'm very impressed with the scope of your website. Very nice. I do have a bone to pick with you, though. I'm endeavoring to get rid of my Facebook account, and I realized that if I did it, I would no longer count as a like and therefore not be in Joel's good graces. This trouble me immensely and now I am left with the sophiest choice of all my desire to leave facebook for google plus or to continue to support a podcast and website that has given me so much take this burden from me and start a google plus page please p.s really two hours to shave PPS, what could possibly be wrong with Pirates of the Caribbean? I mean, Johnny Depp is a drunken gay pirate, Kieran Knightley is a love interest, zombie pirate, it all resonates in my soul. Kevin, are you ready yet to divulge your secrets?
2: I don't know. I think, that's, I think we need that in a special, a special edition <laughs> podcast, right? We're getting close to 50, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What about you, Joel? Are you ready to talk about some of your shaving secrets? Yeah, maybe I'll write a blog post about my deep, dark shaving tricks. As for Facebook, for those of you who don't know, we made a special Facebook-only episode where we reviewed in Time starring Justin Timberlake. So head on over to Facebook.com slash Yeah It's That Bad where you can listen to this bonus episode where we reviewed a movie that's actually in theaters. As for Google Plus, I mean, I I don't know. Should we start a Google Plus account?
2: Are people into that? I haven't heard any, I don't know anyone that uses it. Me
1: neither. I don't either. Neither do I. I don't know. Listen, if if, if there's a desire for it. Yeah, I I, guess if there's a
0: desire for it. If there's a desire for it, I would definitely do it. Okay. Laura writes in and says, Hi guys. I knew already that Joel and Martin were graphic designers after their snide comment about Halle Berry as Catwoman taking all night to change a single color in Photoshop. I'm a graphic designer too and I specialize in desecifying PowerPoint. It's a rich field to mine as you probably know. Anyway, last week somebody asked you if an actor's real life actions changed your opinions about movies you previously liked. For me, it was Mel Gibson's train wreck of a personal life making me not want to buy a copy of Chicken Run for my kids. I love Aardman animation, love the movie when I saw it in the theaters, but even though it was a real bargain at five bucks, I did not want to hear Mel Gibson's voice in my house. What a jerk. Keep up the great work guys. I for one hail the triumphant return of Kevin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week and the question of the week was, what is a movie that you guys would like to see remade? Miles
1: said, hello, tried to answer this on the comment section but I encountered some minor hiccups. A movie I would like to see remade is Logan's Run. I saw it a little while ago and I enjoyed it except for its visual effects. I mean, cartoonish is not enough of a word to describe how lousy and downright distracting the visual effects are. Shannon, and said Sahara I know in theory that it would seem that this is a poor choice for a remake but I think about a better script a different cast and putting up a more fantastical action adventure element i.e. Indiana Jones and this would be an awesome movie replace Matthew McConaughey with Nathan Fillion Penelope Cruz with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Steve Zahn with Michael Sarah. I don't know about that <laughs> 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 oh, get Edgar- I love Steve Zahn like, yeah yeah why are we putting Michael Sarah in there get Edgar Wright to write and direct it and it actually might be memorable unlike the original Patrick said Daredevil the character and story arcs in many Marvel comics are pretty interesting, but the movie screenplay sucked. Ben Affleck sleeps in a hyperbaric hot tub. There is no chemistry between him and Jennifer Garner. Aren't they married, by the way? And the main (laughs) villain is a skid-headed Colin Farrell playing Bullseye. At what point did anyone think this lethal combination would make a good movie? (laughs) Loudon said, I'd like to see a reboot of Super Mario Brothers because I would like to forget this 1993 crap fest ever existed. I want the agents to find some people to fill in the shoes of Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper as Mario, Luigi and King, Koopa respectively, and that way, you need a better script in order to light the mood once the cameras roll. Bob Noir Babe said, Stephen King's The Stand definitely needs a remake. The original made-for-TV miniseries is absolutely terrible. It changes too much of the movie, and the casting was bad.
0: Hey, Parker Lewis Can't Lose is in there, I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: yes.
2: (laughs) Jake said, Stephen King's The Shining would be awesome. Also, 1956, Moby Dick would also be pretty sweet. Any classic should be remade. That's that's an interesting statement. (laughs) Crystal Cush said, The Breakfast Club, but modernized. I would like to see a good remake of this already great film. Who would play Emilio Escove's character? Shia LaBeouf. Shia
3: LaBeouf.
2: <laughs> you feel the wrestler? Margaret said, Lord of the Flies. The other two versions were not as dark or disturbing as William Golding's book, and the acting wasn't that great either. Paul Cohen said, Green Lantern. Yeah, it was just made, and it was horrible. <laughs> AJ Anderson said, I think a great remake for Hollywood to produce might have to be the film Johnny Mnemonic. Harold said, get Hollywood's reboot 1997's Find a more (laughs) charismatic actor to play the title character, so that way, forget that Shaquille O'Neal one ever came to
1: fruition. Shazam. That was a great movie. Remake Shazam. No, the original's great. (laughs) Justin
2: said, taking my inspiration from that previous post, Dennis Quaid as the genie in a Shazam remake. (laughs)
0: Shazam. (laughs) <laughs> That'd
2: be the most uncharismatic
1: <laughs> genie ever. <laughs>
0: it's the un- it's the most unsupernatural character in the world. And finally, anonymous writes in suggesting the towering inferno. I can totally see it. Dennis Quaid is a building architect opening the world's largest hotel. Flames <laughs> erupt and fire chief Nicholas Cage reports to the call. <laughs> Of course, Shia LaBeouf is the electrician that cut corners to save money, directed by Roland Demerick. <laughs> okay, as for next week's question of the week, Sean writes in and says, What is a movie you've seen that had an amazing premise but totally squandered it? City of Ember. <laughs> The number 23. In time. We just saw it. That premise was phenomenal
1: and they squandered it. Yeah, that's... (laughs) The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. There are so many of these movies.
0: Head on over to yesatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce the winner of the listener's choice poll. Once again, we dove into the world of disaster films. And the choices were Volcano versus Dante's Peak. And the winner is... Dante's Peak. Oh, boy. Oh, no. (laughs) Pierce Brosnan. That movie had every cliche. Doesn't it have like a dog rescue? It has like- a dog rescue. It has like that scene where the kids are
1: swimming in a lake <laughs> and then they get killed. I can't wait. <laughs> every cliche.
0: Alright, I can't wait. If you've already seen this movie, give us a call at 973-797- 9324. Give us a call. Leave us a little mini review and we we'll play it on the show. This call is free to anyone in the continental United States. Okay, before we go, once again, make sure to check out our bonus In Time episode on our Facebook page. Facebook dot com slash yeah it's that bad also you can check out our blog at blog dot yeah it's that bad where you can see Kevin posted his experience during the Tough Mudder mud run oh yeah
1: I believe you declared that you were tougher than everyone
0: I am and me following suit proving that <laughs> I'm just as tough I <laughs> I posted a stupid coin trick video that people requested <laughs> on the blog so you can check that out me making a fool of myself on blog dot yeah it's that bad are Do I?
2: you gonna post a two hour long shake Video because that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like it, if you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five star reviews really do help out the show. Please head on over to Facebook.com/slash. Yeah, it's that bad. Click the like button. That helps spread the word of the show to all your friends. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah, it's bad. And you guys have a Twitter now,
1: right? Yep. I have a Twitter at It's uh Yeah, it's Martin. I'm at Yeah, it's Kev. Cause so there you go. Yeah, it's Kevin was. T- Yeah, unfortunately. How how did that feel? You
2: know, it really hurt my feelings because I don't really like being called Kev.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And finally, you can also listen to our show via Stitcher at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time.
2: By the way, Joel just came out of the bathroom and put on the table something that looks just like a Is that pregnancy right? test. It's Joel,
1: oh my god! Good news? Bad news? Plus or minus? Yeah, we'll what's find going out? on? We'll find out. We'll find
0: out. Episode forty-seven. Yeah, yeah it's that bad. Tune in next week. <laughs> for Is the pregnancy it? results? <laughs>